Welcome to this week's episode of The Fitness Solution. On today's episode, or this week's episode, I have the astounding David Flowers. He is a coach up in Manchester, and we hooked up a long time ago chatting about, we didn't hook up like that, we kind of got chatting, uh, all about nutrition and terrible nutrition companies out there that are sold in high street stores and things like that. And we've stayed in contact ever since, and his work is fantastic, his podcast is fantastic, and it was a real pleasure to have him on and to get into a really deep discussion about the mindset of movement. He's very passionate about what he does. He's one of those coaches that lives for helping people, and it just beams out of him. And I'm sure you're going to get a lot from our discussion and our chat on today's episode. So that being said... Um, thank you to everybody who has rated, reviewed, and left a uh, five-star, what's another word for rating and review, thing on iTunes. It means a hell of a lot, and the podcast is growing, but, and there's always a but, I could always do with more. So if you do like The Fitness Solution and you want to get a free 30-minute personal training session with me, um, I can do it over the internet, then please, 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 please go to iTunes, give the show a review, and I will then be in touch as to how I will uh, give you your free 30-minute personal training session. Right, that's enough from me, and let's get straight into it with David. Welcome to The Fitness Solution. Uh, on today's episode, I have um, Coach David Flowers, or just David Flowers, um, who's based up in Manchester, and he's been more than open to coming on as we've just been discussing offline actually uh, about coming on and chatting to everybody about um about we're going to talk mainly diets fads and how they're not helping people with motivation and then that's probably going to move into a conversation about movement and physical fitness and training and all the things that david is so really well versed in david and i first connected when uh we both seemed to upload a boom bod review at the same time which was at the time of doing very funny 60 second videos, kind of taking apart these horrible nutrition companies. So, uh, David, how the hell are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's nice to be on the receiving end of questions rather than me asking them. So, it's yeah, a I know. pleasant it's, change. Yeah, you do your own one, don't you? It's the Fat Fix podcast, isn't it? It is, yeah. How's it all going? Yeah, going very well. Yeah, going very well, as well as it could. It's a good time to obviously record a lot of podcasts during this time. Everybody seems to be a lot more available for, for conversation. So it's been good to communicate with other people in the fitness industry, catch up with people that you've never personally spoken to, like yourself, face-to-face -face like this. We've obviously yeah. communicated on Instagram. And so it's nice to, to speak to familiar people that you've have on your social media and who you've spoke to in the past yeah yeah it's good isn't it? it it is lovely it's um it's just nice to outreach and chat to people and see people and, and all that lovely stuff that keeps the world ticking around especially in such strange times like this how is um you're up in manchester aren't you i am yeah based based up in manchester um and yeah, the weather's actually depressing today, but it's actually been like Spain for the last two weeks in Manchester. Really? In Manchester? <laughs> You're joking. I know, of, of all places, but today's back to, oh, this week's been back to usual Manchester weather. Um, literally zero sunlight, really. Right. How And how is lockdown up there? Yeah, it's good. Good. I'm based, I'm in the city centre, so... Okay. 
it's a bit weird being in the city centre during these times, obviously, because it's usually a busy, hectic city, loads of things going on. Yeah. And then when you walk through the city now, the busiest streets and that, it's a little bit surreal seeing all the all the shops closed and everything like that. But I do I do wish I kind of lived out in the sticks during this period of time because then you won't feel as affected, I don't think. So yeah. I think no. I think after this it's definitely gonna make me wanna get a house out of the city in somewhat of isolation because I've actually enjoyed not being around many people, so it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's contrary to what what we were discussing earlier in your last instagram post about how much you love being around people <laughs> clients uh, i do yeah clients. Uh, yeah yeah ones who are paying us Cli- right? <laughs> client clients are good clients who've got good conversation but most of the general population that i have to walk past in the city then no no way I, I couldn't concur more. We started um, before this really kicked in. I was on holiday with my fiance in like North Yorkshire and like the North Yorkshire Broads and up there um, in like Selby and around there. It was, it was gorgeous, but it was completely isolated. There wasn't human being like, you know, there was like a house every what felt like a hundred meters. It was crazy. Um, maybe not even that, like just loads of farmyard and everything, land, fields, nonstop, and just really random houses placed in random places. And it, it was like, oh, this is, this is quite nice. It'd be quite nice to just stay up here for this whole period. Um, so, no, I definitely understand how you're feeling. So, um, so you uh, obviously train one-to-one in a gym up in Manchester. It's form, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. On personal training in Manchester. We're just a private facility. Um, a little bit like yourself, where you, think you, you mentioned you work at a, 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 a quite gym, a facility yeah. as well, not yeah. like a big commercial gym, like a pure gym or anything like that. So that's pretty much what I've done my entire career, really. I've worked out of one commercial gym in my whole career, uh, but mostly I have worked out of more independent facilities. What makes you choose that? No re- particular reason. I think it's just how it's how it's fell about for myself really i think when i started in the industry when i left university i studied sports science and football at university back in liverpool and i was very much going down the the route of professional sport and dealing with footballers and working in strength and conditioning that's kind of where my career started i very much wanted to do that because i wasn't unfortunately good enough to make it as a professional footballer what position did you play I was I played left back, but I I only transitioned back when I got probably worse. Right. Um, but in, in in general, no, I was quite a, quite a good player. I played at a decent level. I was at a professional a professional level up until the age of about seventeen, um, right. and then basically didn't work out for me. Um, and I thought, what is the next best best step? And the next best step was to still be amongst it, to still be in that. Uh, that field of professional football and it wasn't until I left university I did a lot of internships started going to the gym because I never re- I really was into the gym up until the age of like like probably 18 19 to be honest with you I, I was I was very much into football but I wasn't bothered about the gym and I think a lot of footballers still to this day are not bothered about the gym they just want to play football mm-hmm. so it wasn't until I left um, playing football went to university, I really got into the gym. Whilst I was at university, I was working with some, some football clubs. I was doing some internships, doing some S&C work at a variety of clubs all over the Northwest. 
and when I was there, I realised I didn't really enjoy being around football, not playing football. That was right, quite okay. a reality check for right, me. Yeah. Where I was think I was. It was quite a kind of a hit to the ego. I would say a little bit. You're so used to playing football. You're so used to being the guy that's good at football, and and the staff. Um, you know, they're all kind of singing your praises because you're the footballer. To go into it and actually not be the footballer anymore and just be the member of staff and seeing all the other lads playing football and obviously me thinking to myself, oh, how's he made it and I didn't? <laughs> was was, re was really quite hard to take. And I thought, this isn't for me, not to mention the fact of the amount of hours they work and the return on and investment that they actually get paid, the coaches are really, it's really hard and it's all about who you know. Yep. So basically, um, I then left university, realised I didn't want to work in professional football. I went over to see my brother who lives in New Zealand in Wellington. Um, I went over to Wellington and again, it was it was a, kind of the same thing there. I was looking at going into S&C, into the football clubs over there, because uh, that's all, the only thing that I thought I could physically do or I was made to do for, for instance and I never really thought about personal training in the slightest and it wasn't until my brother just said oh let's go for a training session in the gym train me and we'll, we'll put me through a session because he he wasn't he'd never been in the gym for example as much as what I had bits and bobs in and out whilst at uni obviously I didn't know what I was doing back then but I trained him and I trained his wife and then it, I kind of got a bit of a love for it and I thought oh, you know what this is not too bad and that's when I kind of went down the lines of personal training because I did some personal training I did my personal training certifications whilst I was at university at the time as well as but again mm -hmm. it was just a just something to do be in the gym rather than learning statistics for sports science I would have rather been in the gym and and that's what basically got the bug for PT and then I got my first job in Wellington in, in New Zealand like I mentioned that was my first job and that was in a private personal training facility in Wellington. And so, so that was my first place. And then basically I left there, came back to Manchester and got another job in another private facility, um, stayed there for X amount of time. And then I moved to Australia and you're going soon. I spent two years in Australia and that's when I worked at a commercial facility over there. It wasn't a massive commercial facility. It was just, they had a few gyms in Sydney, about three gyms. And I was there for about 18 months. Then I left there and then I went over to Dubai and I was in Dubai for eight months and that was at a private facility. And now I'm back in Manchester um, years later. So I've been back in Manchester nearly three years now. So yeah, so a bit of a waffle on there, but I've basically <laughs> been personal training for for absolutely years. And around the world. It all, around the world. And yeah, it's led me to where I am today still personal training so yeah i've not really done anything other than this <laughs> no that's that's awesome i um what you're talking about football like, i was a semi-professional football referee and it was my way of like staying involved in the sport and stuff but i i realized that i couldn't take it much further really um like for me it was just a way of staying fit and getting paid and um and i just wanted to throw myself more fully into this rather than than doing that but it is it, it is it's very different being on that side of the the ball and not and not being on the field as a player compared to it it does and when you say it humbles you and you feel very different about it I totally understand what you mean in that sense it's um it is an odd feeling 
when you're oh yeah massive yeah and and footballers and people involved in football are very odd they have very odd energy about them and i just grew mm. tired of it to be honest eventually um was you like yeah. in the northern league and stuff like that or was it further up yeah yeah i played i played for Roch, i was at rochdale for quite a oh. long period of time so i was i was there from the age of like 12 up until the age of about 16 yeah, um, and it it was it was really really strange really going into what we we're speaking about today because I was always the small kid playing football. I was I basically was a, a late developer really. I was I was tiny up until the age of fifteen, sixteen. I would even say I was you know like I said like I said to you before I'd, I'd not only not ever been to the gym. I was a naturally a really skinny guy. And I was really small as well. And it, this this was something that was always drilled into me playing football. He's always, it's too small, it's too small, it's too small. And then it it was one of probably the kind of the fuel to the fire to get me into some degree of lifting weights. Yeah. That was probably the catalyst that made that happen. And then, like I mentioned, from the ages of when I was in college going into university, that's when I started to lift some weights. I did actually shoot up in height as well from being 16 started doing more gym work uh, and essentially kind of grew into my own and it's just obviously I look back and it's a massive shame that I, I wish that had happened sooner or at least I always say to myself now I so wish I knew what I know now about training and nutrition and performance as I didn't know back then to make myself a better footballer not just ability wise but uh, phys physically wise as well stronger faster all those things and yeah and I look back and it's a shame that wasn't passed on to me from somebody growing up and yeah. hopefully when I have children myself down the line um, I can pass that on to to them if they want to play football hopefully yeah. that is the case and, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and kind of pass it on but that's kind of where I got my I would say my book for what I do now yeah. As, as part of me as well for my for my identity it's been it's been about always told I was a small kid playing football and you know you carry that with you and, and that's sometimes what does give me some of the hunger to still lift weights and still be stronger so I'm not that individual or feel like that individual anymore because it was it was really shit part of my life when you're constantly getting told those things and it did it made me fall out of love with football yeah yeah it does I mean I, I was sick of being told basically how crap you were day in day out non-stop and it was just it's just it just wasn't a positive environment and i i you know i'd love to be in positive environments to be honest and talk to positive people and produce it out of people rather than just constantly fighting through negativity but football very much inspires those kinds of passions out of people and it's good and bad in both ways so you know it is what it is so how much of you like what you learn in terms of sport and, and football and stuff like that do you take into the people you train in the gym in terms of strength and conditioning and and um and stuff like that because like i mean i'm i'm very much a a resistance training fat loss coach and you're very much a strength and conditioning coach so like what's the difference what's the hybrid what where do you take people how do you work with them take me through it yeah i think like for, for me my my demographic who i work with i'm actually very much general population fat loss like that is who i work with so i think it's kind of understanding the i've understanding the difference in between who i work with and how i go about coaching those individuals um 
but it it all comes down to the same same thing really i is that I, I deal with people who are overweight unhealthy individuals on the way to type 2 diabetes whatever that may be and who want to come in to lose a lot of weight improve the body composition and most importantly improve the health longevity of that and actually create a why for them why they're doing certain things as opposed to it just always being about weight i like to kind of look into the performance aspect of it a little bit more as well with an individual and say to them right we can look at the weight side of things i get that that's a massive part but let's start looking into some performance metrics as well and and use that strength and conditioning element and what i'm passionate about to implement into their their training and make them feel for once in their life like they're good at something or they're getting better at something because that's something that working with the general population they need to have wins all the time they need to win at something because for years they have been the ones like you mentioned before you were the one who was getting told you were shit at something and and, and like like i mentioned i was the one being told i was too small and I, I wouldn't ever make it and these individuals have been told that their whole life with the gym environment they've been told they will never be slim they've been told they will never be strong they've been told they'll never have a six pack ever and it's about kind of taking that away, that mindset away from them and create, giving them something new to kind of follow along the journey where it makes them more empowered with what they're actually trying to achieve. So I do a lot of taking that into consideration. I kind of look at lots of performance metrics as well for my clients as well from a conditioning standpoint and looking into their resting heart rate. Can we improve your resting heart rate? Okay, this is why I'm giving you this type of cardio. I'm not giving you this cardio because I'm being an asshole <laughs> personal trainer. I'm giving you this cardio because what that's going to do is reduce your resting heart rate. It's going to reduce your blood pressure. It's going to therefore make you less likely to develop some type of hypertension down the line. And they can see these things and they understand these things. And then when we're looking at the resistance side of things, I'm constantly telling them if we're getting stronger, if we're um, getting more weight on the bar, we're ultimately, every time we do this, reducing our chances of developing like sarcopenia, osteoporosis, we're putting you in a better position to not have these issues down the line because we're focusing on these metrics of performance, strength, fitness, whatever it may be, to help guide them on the journey so they have a lot more to focus on rather than it just always being about weight of, of, of fat loss, for example. And, and that, that's kind of the way I go at things obviously in terms of fat loss we we kind of know the the principles behind what fat loss and how to fat loss how to create fat loss for an individual but at the same time how can we give somebody the tools alongside the nutrition side because let's face it that is the key driver to fat loss anyway it does come down to nutrition and then how can we look at other variables such as the lifestyle that is going to impact their decisions with their nutrition and the training aspect is, is fundamentally focused on the performance of that individual, how they move, how, they, how strong they are, how fit they get. And that's kind of where I have a separation between my, the fat loss side of things and the not having the training to be about fat loss. It's more about the performance and the health markers. And as a byproduct, the fat loss usually comes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's a massive case of getting these kinds of people to focus on what their body can produce as opposed to constantly reduce. Um, 
that's what I find. They're so focused on, oh, let's, I need to get smaller. I need to lose weight. I need to get all this away from me as opposed to actually looking at what their body can do for them and learning to, to love and enjoy that movement that they can achieve these things. And that will then get them where they need to get to on the other side of the equation. It's, um, yeah. What, what kind of problems do you see in people uh, in terms of when they're coming to you and they're, they're overweight? What's, what are like their main driving forces to, to take on this kind of work? And how do, you, how do you get them to realize that really they need to jump more into adding weight to a bar rather than just focus on whatever the scale says? Yeah, I think it comes down to kind of like I mentioned, giving them something that they feel like they're winning at. There's something that they feel like they, they're good at. And, and, and there's no better way of really doing that by kind of testing these things or at least showing them how they're improving week by week, whether that's certain types of movements they're doing. And, and I do will say this to the coaches that I work with and I oversee at the facility we're at. And obviously looking at back, back at past mistakes that I've made is I always want the client to come away feeling like they can do something. And what we tend to see with a lot of people, unfortunately, within the fitness industry is that they're, they're putting exercises on a client that that client can't physically do and they're not going to feel like they're getting anything out of it. They're just going to become frustrated because they're trying to do a back squat and that, that client is, is having pain during that movement or they just feel like they just can't get back up again from being sat down to standing back up. So it's kind of thinking about it as in what exercise prescription can I use for that individual that's going to make them feel empowered where they're like, oh, I can actually do this because there's nothing worse than trying to do something for one hour. That one hour that they see it, there's nothing worse for us as a trainer feeling like we need to push something on somebody because it's what we enjoy and it's our bias and it's what we believe is the best movement for us to do, like a squat, for example, and it's, and it's our individual bias that can sometimes hinder the client's ability to progress because we're so focused on what we enjoy rather than thinking about what can they actually physically do where they actually take saying to themselves, I can do this, this is amazing. And it is hard to get that shift in individuals because they've never probably trained that way until they come to see a trainer. And when I've sat down with clients and they have said to me, I hate running or I hate doing certain I turn around to them and I say, no wonder you hate running because running gives you pain. And when we have pain, what do we do? We want to avoid it. That's a very natural, natural thing to do as a human being is when we have a pain to avoid doing that. It's, if I burnt myself on the kettle, I'm not going to go back to the kettle and burn myself again. So it's kind of under, helping them understand that basically what they may have been chasing for a long period of time is not necessarily where they need to put the focus on what they actually need to do. So I'll say to them, the reason you don't like running is because it puts you, it, you, you get pain from running with your knees. And that is simply because you just at the moment, and that's fine, by the way, is you just carry an excess amount of body fat. That's it. It's only body fat. We can get rid of it. And we're going to do that through the nutrition practices and things like that. In a training perspective, I'm going to give you things that you enjoy. Cause if you go out for a run now, not only are you going to hurt, hurt yourself, for example, you haven't got the gait mechanics to be able to run, but that's fine. We'll work on that. You, you're, also, you're also running for far too long or trying to run far too long. And you haven't got the aerobic fitness levels yet to do that. What I'm going to do is change it up to give you something that you can do that after it, you don't feel in pain. You don't feel like you're demotivated to do it again because you actually feel a bit empowered because you've managed it. 
and, and kind of set the goalposts a little bit like that, where I kind of pull them back from years of kind of torture. educate. Yeah, torture and lack of education yeah. as well to, to then kind of wheel them back in and then put it more a performance metric and say, right, if you want to go running, if that's something you want to do down the line, that's fine. Let's work on these things to get you back to running. And that's when they start to maybe enjoy the training a bit more because they've got more of a purpose in life. And I try to do that with a lot of clients is find out the hobbies as well that they, that they have in their life or what they've even done in the past. Like if they've played squash in the past, um, did you enjoy squash? Love squash. Okay, let's focus your training towards getting you back playing squash. And, and then when they, when they find that, training doesn't become punishment anymore. It becomes performance-focused. And when training is performance-focused, people's adherence to participation is through the roof. Yeah, yeah. Squash is really hard to play. And squash is horrible to play as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't stand it. I mean, it might be because I'm six foot four, but God, there's a lot of bending down in playing squash. Um, do you find people's goals change a lot on journeys like that when you bring them in and you talk to them in that manner and you, you give them these metrics, you give them this desire to, to get back into doing something that they loved maybe as a child or they loved doing with their mum and dad or whatever it might be. Um, do you find that suddenly like that something will just click in their brain and they'll suddenly just change tack totally? Yeah, definitely. I've seen it quite quite a lot with people is when they have something else alongside what they've been chasing for many, many years, like we've mentioned before, just chasing weight loss all their life. And it's kind of, what else can we give that individual that's not a painful experience? Because it might have been a painful experience for, from, for many years. So we now need to give them some pleasure with that. Um, and actually, like I say, it does come down to the the education as well and the the client actually understanding of what goes into certain things with what their goals may be so they might come in and just say to me i want to lose weight and i'll always say back to them we need to break that down because that is such a big broad goal like what like people live in the land of more like what is i want to lose weight like you could be you could be chasing weight loss all your life is that five pounds is it 10 pounds is it 50 pounds whatever it may be to, to kind of break that down and set more process driven goals for clients as opposed to outcome driven goals. And what I mean by that is people have this outcome of weight loss, but they do not have processes to get them there. They're just looking too far down the line and looking at this weight loss goal, which is they don't even know what that weight loss goal is because like I said, they're living in the land of more. So they step on the scales and they'll, they'll have lost five pounds in one week, which is amazing. But then they will look at that negatively and be like, but I want to lose 50. And you're like, well, if you keep that mindset and keep having that, that destination is so far away, you need to lose your five pounds before you get to 50. You know, I'm no mathematician, but that, that makes sense. And yeah. it's kind of helping them understand those things a little bit more and actually giving them a process. And I do say to a lot of people, we need to get you engaging in healthy behaviors as opposed to focusing on outcomes. Results, yeah. What can we do every day? Well, going back to, I had a client who, of mine who we lost like, he lost like 90 pounds working with me and just before his wedding. And we, he was in recruitment and we set KPIs for him <laughs> because he's very familiar with KPIs. So yeah. I use KPIs. I said, I'm going to set you some KPIs. For once, you're going to be the guy that's 
listens to me setting you KPIs as opposed to you setting your members of staff KPIs. So we set his KPIs at X amount of steps per day, X amount of calories to, per day, X amount of training sessions per week. Um, and that's that there what his, his process-driven goals was. And I said to him, if you don't do your steps that I've set you, if you don't um, adhere to the caloric um, intake that I've set you, if you don't adhere to the training sessions, you're not going to get closer to the outcome of X amount of pounds that you want to lose. Only when you tick off your boxes and tick off your KPIs like he did within his job is going to get closer to the outcome and the sales outcome that he wants. So he, yeah. used, I used his background and his kind of yeah. knowledge in a certain area and like flipped it on its back and pushed it to him. So if there is anybody listening who is in a job where they can kind of relate this to what they do, in, whether it's a sales perspective or anything like that, they can start understanding about the importance of actually setting daily processes and engaging in daily habits. And that's something that I can't stress enough to people is that they need to have daily healthy behaviors that they engage in. Like for me, I always have a, a long ass walk. I call it a law. That's what, I, that's what I call it. I say I have to get a long ass walk in every day. That is like a non-negotiable. That's yeah. not because I'm thinking of other things. It's just, non-negotiable and another non-negotiable is a training session whether that's a, a really productive specific training session or it's a training session like i did today where i just couldn't be bothered i just had to get into the gym and just get something done so that was a non-negotiable healthy behavior another healthy behavior that i might have is a portion of vegetables with every meal another healthy behavior might be just going to bed and waking up at the same time every day and they're the things that I look at, and as a byproduct of that, touch wood, you, your health's in a better position mm. and your weight's in a better position in terms of weight maintenance or whatever your goals may be. So it's, it's taking people away from this destination that's so far and getting them drawn into the processes and engagement in healthy behaviours in general because they're what are going to propel somebody, especially people who are successful at weight maintenance. They've had years of nailing these healthy behaviours. Yeah, uh, there's so much in there. I'm totally stealing the law, by the way. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gas walks. Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, what you said about like the 50 pounds and you've got to lose the five first and everything. Because like, I, I always tell my clients, you, it's one pound. Every single time, it's just one pound. All we need to do is get one pound off. And then once you've done that, we just need to get another pound off. And, once you, and we just repeat and just repeat and repeat and repeat. And then over time, you're going to have built a life and a habit that that kind of is allowing that one pound to keep coming off and then you're going to get to 50 pounds it's, it's always a case of that like really breaking down that goal to that process of that that repetitive nature of that process is um is something that i think far too many people don't don't take into account and that swings us into nutrition so well because i mean god like it nutrition very much is just a daily process a daily slog of just doing it day in day out day in day out um i think i mean what's your views on that yeah for well, nutrition it's it is a, it's a minefield of information on the nutrition side of things and how i how i've how i look at nutrition for a lot of people and and again it goes back to relating things to them and their lifestyle a little bit more i always kind of and this is what um, I say in my introduction to my podcast is helping people understand why they're in the position that they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. 
Yeah. So when it comes down to nutrition, you know, you, you'll ask anybody. Most people, um, I would, you know, I can hand on heart probably say that they all know what a healthy diet looks like. You know, there's there's no one that knows. Literally, if I lined up a bowl of cocoa pops and a salad with some salmon on, they would probably know that the salmon and the vegetables is a bit less calories and probably better for them nutritionally. It's just you, kind of you, helping them. You clearly sorry. never met my nephew. Uh, oh, yeah, unless you're a kid. <laughs> unless, unless you're like below the age of like eight years old where, where you yeah. don't give a shit. Yeah, where you basically. don't give a shit about nutrition, which is where most people really need to find themselves is go back to your mindset when you was a kid. And that, that's, that's, that's another um, topic in itself, but like relationships with food and how children have such a great relationship with food. And it's only when we, we get to a certain age, things start to really change. And yeah, that, that, that kids, kids are brilliant for that. They, they, they really, they really don't one give a shit and two, to even have any idea of what you're talking about and they don't no. really care anyway so <laughs> yeah and um, just put it in front of them and they'll eat it it's great exactly um so it's kind of helping them understand the why's behind things so when people yep. are saying when people um saying these things to me like i am craving this food at this time or i'm craving these types of food at this time or they'll say i have no energy in the morning or they'll they'll say loads of different things i cannot stop eating when i'm at work for example, I'll start to unpackage that a little bit more and help them understand why that's happening. And it's not because they're a bad human being. And once that starts to kind of unpackage for people, they can start to make these decisions differently of how they're necessarily feeling and understanding why this is happening and just giving them a bit more self-control and kind of um, basically awareness of the situation rather than me just saying, it's easy coming from somebody like myself and you and people that have done this for quite a while and it comes second nature to us to eat a, a healthier meal or even be aware of calories and have the knowledge around it but most people do not and you know you only need to know this by asking your mum a nutritional question you know <laughs> absolutely clueless about anything to do with nutrition but when my mum says to me and this is how I relate to my clients if my mum said I'm really starving at this time then that's when I start to unpackage things for her and look at why that is happening. And then that's when we start looking into your sleep deprivation. Oh, you, your sleep's off from your questionnaire. You filled in that you, you go to bed at X, X time, you stimulate yourself before bed, you're highly stressed with work. Like, so the likelihood is you're going to have this effect down the line in terms of your appetite going on and start looking into more of the, the realms of like the environment that the client's in on a day-to-day -day basis when they're going into work and somebody's the biscuit tins in front of them and, and, and making them aware these are really highly palatable foods. I don't blame you for having these foods and they carry X amount of calories. And as human beings, we, we need calories. We thrive off calories and breaking it down to them from an evolutionary perspective. That is what we need. We need energy. And it's just kind of helping them understand a little bit more about those things and also like the internal hunger cues a little bit better. Um, asking them, are you actually hungry or is this more of an emotional reaction or is it a boredom reaction? And once they start to understand those things and kind of break down the why they're in the position they're in right now, if they have no energy all day, it's because they don't do any long ass walks anytime 
They don't do engage in any training sessions. They, like I said before, they sleep deprived. And I say to them, I say, no wonder you feel like shit with all these things that you're not doing. But that's fine because we can sort them out. And I also always say to them, it's actually a good thing you've got a lot of shit to sort out because now I hope that doesn't make you feel so negatively about the process rather than thinking that you're a bad human being and you're a piece of shit because your mates are lean and you're not. Like I always say, like, I would, I would be in your position if I was sleep deprived, if I didn't do any long ass walks and if I didn't train every day or whatever it may be, I would be in your position. So we can rectify that now by making these simple changes without you feeling like a bad human being. Feel like a bad human being maybe if you're doing all the things right. But chances are people are not doing the right, the, all the things right in itself. But that is a positive. And if people take that as a positive, that they've got a lot of shit to change, they've got a shitload to gain. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find a lot of these people compare themselves like unrealistically to everyone else in their life? hundred percent. I think, yeah, it's, they always look, and, and it goes back to that land of more I spoke about. There's, and yeah. it's helping people understand this and always understand the comparison to others. And, we can't, we, we obviously we do that as human beings. We've all done it. I do it. I still do it. Yeah, you still do it. Whether, whether we're doing it, we're doing it. It's a natural thing for us to do, compare ourselves to others. We, you're driving in your car, you see someone pull up in a Ferrari next year, you're going to be like, oh God, this, my car's not as good as theirs. But Wait, using you, you that Ferrari. You, you don't have a Ferrari? No, man, not yet. Oh, I'm, hope, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. If, if, Get 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 this podcast like Joe Rogan and then I'll, yeah, I'll, know, um, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll can can monetize off it. <laughs> but I, I use funnily enough, I use that analogy with clients who compare themselves to others. And I also like to use the David Beckham analogy as well, which I'll which I'll share with you. I, I say to people, if you see somebody in a Ferrari next to you, obviously you're gonna think that's a better car than mine. But you your reaction to that for the rest of the day is not negative. You kind of like someone in a Ferrari, you go oh lucky lucky bastard's got a ferrari brilliant whatever he does good luck to him fair play and then you move on and i'm happy in my Vauxhall course or whatever you drive you let you let it go it's gone and you don't reflect on that for the rest of the day and if you did that's what people do when it comes to the way they look they'll see somebody in the gym who may look amazing because the gyms are full of people who look amazing and no wonder people hate going to the gym when it's full of these models in there and, and, and people have body image issues. And usually it is the ones that look a certain way who have the worst body image issues, by the way, not, not people that probably we work with It is yeah. more the physique competitors and all those yeah. guys without going down a rabbit hole of that. But no. <laughs> in, 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 in essence, you will, you will see the individual and you will compare yourself. Why don't I look like that? She comes in the gym five times a week. I go in the gym five times a week. Why don't I look like that? And then they go back home and they still got this image of that person that they've seen and they're still beating themselves up. They're still looking in the mirror and, and really giving themselves a hard time. But with the Ferrari pulling up next to them in the car, they wouldn't have done that. And it's the same, it's the same thing. Like the gym environment, for most cases, for most gyms, I always say it's like going into a bar full of David Beckham's. Like it is, you go into a bar and it's full of David Beckham's. I would be like not wanting to go out anymore. If, if I went to, when I was younger and I was single, if I went to the nightclubs and there's bars and everyone looks like David Beckham, 
you'd be like, oh God, I don't want to go to the bar anymore because everybody looks like Beckham and I don't look like Beckham. And, I'm, I'm, and then I start beating myself up a little bit. I'm like, oh, why, why don't I look like that? But the truth be told, nobody, that's not the case at all. The world isn't full of David Beckhams, but on Instagram, it is. So this is coming back to the comparison of others. The most common thing people do is compare themselves to what other people look like on Instagram. But Instagram is a land of David Beckhams. Yep. It's not. If, if people look on Instagram and see all the people on there and then step out the front door and walk down the street to the local supermarket, they'll quickly realize we don't live in the land of David Beckhams. We live in a land of normal people. We're, we're all different and we're all unique within ourselves. And we need to get out of that mentality of comparing ourselves to others because especially on social media, it's a load of bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, I mean, I've, I've written down imposter syndrome in front of me based on that whole chat. Like we do just walk around in a world of just feeling like an utter imposter the whole time. Like we just don't belong. We just don't feel comfortable where we are and everything else. And you know, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter where you go, what you do, you, you will, you will never ever escape that feeling until you start looking at the truth. Um, you're always going to feel like an imposter for as long as you only keep surrounding yourself with those kinds of triggers. And until you actually open your eyes and really look at, like you said, in the supermarket, what actual people look like, what, yeah. um, what real people look like. I'd also argue, even actually on your social media feed, you, if you was to really properly go down, you're just not giving attention to the normal people on Instagram. You're only giving attention to the people that yeah. you, that trigger you. Yeah, because yes. I'm sure we all follow our friends and family, and I'm sure most people's friends and families aren't a bunch of David Beckhams. I'm sure most of them mm. are probably just normal humans, like you and I, like my mum and dad, like your mum and dad. And, um, and, I just people just don't see those they don't see and acknowledge those posts enough they just go oh look liz is up to something else oh jane's up to this and and don't give it the due care and attention it needs compared to that physique competitor that they follow because they thought it inspired them exactly yeah it's, it's, it's all true and we always want we'll always want more there's always some we need to obviously as well understand there's always going to be someone who's stronger than you. There's always going to be someone faster than you. There's going to be someone who's in better shape than you. It's just, it's just the way it is. And, and you will never be happy living that way. Like they, I always say to people, you look at someone that you want to look like, and then they'll say to me, yes, I want to, because I've had it so many times where they've come in and shown me a picture of somebody they want to look like. And I'm just like straight away, like we need to shift these expectations first and foremost. And we also need to look at your own life not their life because they're an influencer. They get paid to train. They get paid to wear Gymshark. You work in an office 40 hours a week. You have four kids and you stress yep. through your eyeballs. So they're already, they start to be like, oh, yeah, you, you actually, you, you're right. Um, yeah, and then that's sense. when the, the mentality can, can start coming into play. But again, it's like those we spoke about before, the people you look up to and or, or think you want to look like, they'll have somebody they want to look like. And then they'll have somebody they want to look like. And before you know it, you're just chasing your tail. And it's just one continuous circle and one continuous loop of people just being bloody unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. you got to snap the circle. Definitely step out of that circle. Well, I mean, we've been chatting for ages and it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been, it's, that was a quick hour. 
I know. Pretty it's much, uh, loads, it's about it? pretty much. I, um, pretty much 10, 10 minutes before the call, but yeah. I was just going to, uh, yeah, slight technical issues as always. Um, I was just going to say, like, if, like, what are five things you wish you knew when you started that you know now? In terms of... In, what, terms, what, what, in, terms? Any, in terms of your career, your ability to train people, in terms of getting results out of people, anything. Anything relating to the life of David. Yeah, I, I, probably, I probably, when I look back, you know, we've all made mistakes and that's where you become better as a, as a coach and things like that. I, I would say when I first started, I, I would say kind of understanding people like their lifestyles a little bit more. I think that's something that I've kind of been in the industry you, you grow to learn about where when you first start in the fitness industry and you're a new trainer and you forget that you're 20 years old and, and people, you don't have the life stress that you yeah. do. Like when now we're a bit older and things like that where, where other things are going on in your life and you can start to resonate with other people a little bit more and use that kind of empathy and understanding to get the best out of the client I think but again I think that every probably PT would say the same it grows with experience doing this it's it's not something that you can just you can just naturally have because we're physically not in the position that our clients are in yeah so it's very hard to kind of resonate and, and it is even hard to resonate when I talk to somebody that is overweight and I say to them that I've never been overweight because I've never been an overweight individual. Yeah, same and here. People, people may look at that and think, oh yeah, how can you talk? You've never been in my shoes. And I, and I always kind of like, I always, I'm totally honest with them and say, I've never been in your shoes. And, you know, I don't truly understand. And I think anyone that says they truly understand somebody who's, who's obese or in a body that they absolutely hate, well, can never understand that. So all I can do as a coach is, be empathetic to them and actually listen to them and, and kind of make notes and even learn from them as well and, and learn with how I, how I communicate, how I hold myself as a trainer in front of them and, and all these things, the things that I say out of, out of whether it's tongue-in-cheek or when I'm listening to them when they've got a problem or whatever it may be, just understanding the language that I use and, and things like that. That is something that I wish that, would have happened sooner in my career to actually have those. But again, it comes with, comes with it. And, and uh, also I would probably just say my, cause I've always felt like I've had good, good people skills with, with those that I've worked with, obviously the ability to just chat to people and things like that and not be, not be a, a, an egotistical trainer and just be a, just be a genuine guy. And, and I, and I got asked this actually, last week in the, the the mentorship that I'm doing with some of the guys that I spoke to you about and they asked me about my core values and you right. know when someone asks you that you're always a bit like yeah. oh this is just so like oh how do cliche. I even it's so cliche and I'm like you kind of cringe at it at first don't you and think oh yeah. like what this is this where I'm kind of blowing smoke up my own ass a little bit like what how do you do this it's such an awkward question when somebody asks you that even in like a, an interview or something you're like what but anyway, it got me thinking of my core values essentially, and and what I what I have as a what I believe I, I carry as a trainer, and and kind of, and I was overthinking them massively until I kind of sat back and realised that the first thing is just care. Like I just give 
a shit about my clients. I just give a shit about the people that I work with. And, and, I, and that's something that I've really, uh, it's a big passion of mine is that I actually care more about the results of the client than, than anything else. And the, the, my own training, I actually give a shit about their training more than my own training. And that, that's something that I've always been big on. Like it's not the me, me, me show. It's always, yeah. I care about what they do. And then the other one was just like, like experience when they come in to see me, make sure the hour of the day is the best hour of their day. And that, that's my mindset. It's like, I want them to come through the door. Maybe if they are feeling like crap, something's going on in the life. I can hopefully have them say that was the best hour of my day. Because from that time slot, I was training with David, I had no other thoughts in my head. And that's going back to making it about performance a little bit more where I'm like, right, last week on the assault bike, we got X amount of calories for five minutes. This is something like the fitness testing that I'll do with people is mm. I'll say, right, five minutes of the assault bike, max calories. Okay, we're going to retest you again next week. And then they'll come in and be like, we got the assault bike today. Max calories, come on, we're going to be, and then I know as a byproduct of improving the aerobic fitness, the VO2, all those things, all those mm. nerdy sciencey words are, are coming into play. But that client has got such a buy-in where they're like, oh, yes, I beat my calories this week. I got an extra 15 calories because we know people like to work from calories. That's yeah. their metric rather than anything else. And it's speaking their language like we spoke about. They're, they're not thinking about anything when they're on the assault bike because I don't know about you. If you've been on a salt bike, <laughs> you, 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 do, you do not think about anything else in life. You think about how the hell am I going to get through this bike? And, and the other one was service as well. Service and providing them with everything that I have available to me. I, all the knowledge that I, I've, I've gained over the years and experience that I've gained over the years and um, making them, making them sure for sure to be, adherent to the process and ultimately get my clients to participate and that's a big one for me is that i want to create more participation in exercise for for people a little bit more and we've got to understand as many ways and different ways to what they probably think mm. how they can do that and and it's getting more participation in people and that's something that i wish i probably thought about for many years before rather than going yeah. down the rabbit hole of maybe training clients like um athletes or training them too far down the snc role like we mentioned before where i was doing lots of fancy stuff with them or fancy program design mm. with them and they was basically telling me i'm not enjoying this program or whatever it may be or i can't go to the gym and spend an hour and 30 minutes in the gym david with this crazy program that you prescribed me to do and it's only as I've got obviously a lot older and a lot more experienced and more knowledge behind me that I've realized that it's kind of thinking about it from the client's perspective, what did they enjoy? And ultimately, like I said, what's going to drive participation? And that's my big number one mindset when I program and or I program and do anything for clients is like, what can I do to get them showing up? Because that is the number one goal. And it is for most people it'll probably be good to end this conversation on the, when people say, what should I do in the gym? How many sets should I do? How many exercises should I do? What should I do? I always say to them, instead of worrying about them things, focus on three by 52. And they say, what? I say, give me three by 52, three sets, 52. 
And he said, what? And I said, three times a week for 52 weeks a year, turn up to the gym, turn up to do whatever exercise. That's the only rep scheme and set scheme you should be thinking about. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Adherence, like you have to enjoy it. Like enjoyment leads to adherence. And if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to stay adherent. And that's, that's the bottom line of everything, really. And that's how you get to your three by 52. Um, 100%. Yeah, man. Oh, what a great chat. Oh, it's been fantastic. Where can people find no, out more about you? Thank you. Um, yeah, just head over to my social media, Coach David Flowers. And I'm currently doing my website. So it is in the process where I'll be, I'll be creating uh, my website from my podcast. As well, my podcast is the Fat Fix Podcast. Um, and basically, yeah, that's pretty much my platforms. Obviously, you find me on Facebook as well, Coach David Flowers. And I work at Form MCR in Manchester as well. That's the private facility that I'm the personal training manager of. And yeah, that's, that's about it. And really, and up until I get my website, where I'll be releasing a lot of blogs on training, nutrition, and, and going back to what we've kind of covered today is um, giving people the information about training and and all and all those things that they can implement to to live a longer, healthier life and, and things like that. Yes, great. All they're all good places. Um, whenever David puts a post up, it's one that always one it springs to the top of my feed, but also it's one I always look at, have a read of, and see. You're a great craftsman with your words. You're, very, you're a great communicator in that sense. And it comes across on Instagram very much. And it's only been proved true of this podcast as well. Um, so it's always Thank good you. to stop by your, your posts and, and have a quick read and have a quick, uh, a quick think about what it is you're putting out there. It's really, it really is a good place to go to. Um, so thanks for coming on uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, David. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. Really, really has. And um, I've, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. So thank you very much. Absolute pleasure, Adam. No problem, mate. I really hope you enjoyed that episode of The Fitness Solution. And as ever, my eternal thanks and gratitude to David for giving up his time and allowing us to get into it so much. I enjoyed the episode so much myself, personally. It was so wonderful to chat to him. And I hope you can hear just how passionate David is about improving people's lives. As I mentioned before, Ratings and reviews really help the podcast grow, which it is doing, which is wonderful. So if you want a free half an hour personal training session with me, then please, please, please um, give the podcast a review, a rating on iTunes, and I will be in touch as to how I can get that 30-minute personal training session to you. In other news, uh, my YouTube channel is growing quite quickly which is lovely to see, and I'm putting a lot of time and effort into there. So if you want to find out how to calculate your calories, if you want to find out if you should weigh yourself daily, if you want to find out what my five awesome fat loss rules for life are, then head over to YouTube, and there are plenty of long-form videos for you to feast on. That's it from me. You have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening. Peace, love, and protein. Ciao, ciao.